We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Welcome, welcome, welcome into a live edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. He's Toby Rowland, the voice of the Sooners. I'm Chris Plank, and for the next 30 minutes or so... We'll break down Ish. Sooner football. Ish. Meg doesn't like that. We got to stay got to stay on schedule today, T-Row. I don't think she really cares. Meg I, McDonald, our producer. I love, Zach Tilly, I love right Meg there. to death. Right. I love Zach. I love everything. But I feel like this was a podcast. Right. Before this year. Right. Correct. So we're kind of going to do it the way we want to do it. Oh. And everybody else hang on, right? Laying down the law. I like am I, it. Am I right? I'm not disagreeing with you, but... You know, Tilly could, like, turn it off. So that's kind of what uh, I'm worried about a little bit. So that's we, true, I guess. Be careful of that. Yeah. Uh, we learned something today in the Lincoln Rally Press Conference coming off the 52-14 win over West Virginia. And before we dive into the things that stood out to us as the Sooners, did I say 52-4? 52-14 win over West Virginia. Uh, we will not have John Michael Terry for the rest of the season. The Victory Christian product is done for the year with a lower body injury. Now, it was interesting because we saw him come out in sweats and – didn't necessarily think too much of it because David Aguebu had played some, and obviously Nick Benito had been really good in that spot. And I didn't see him on the sidelines, and all of a sudden in the fourth quarter he was on the sidelines, and obviously not in uniform. So tough break. He had really had a nice little start to his uh, senior season. Yeah, it really is. He was playing some good football and, and was a, an important part of what Oklahoma's doing here. Seemed to be excelling in this uh, defense a little bit too. He yeah. really was playing well. Now, the fortunate thing is – that that's a spot where right now they're deep. So uh, they're going to be able to absorb it a little bit because Nick Benito's playing so well. And Aguebu and Asamoah and, and, and Deshaun White and, of course, Kenneth Murray. So the linebacking core right now is, is solid. They can't now, they can't afford another injury or two or they'll be in, in bad shape. Right. But Nick Benito has come on as the year's gone along. I think he's ready for this. I know he's a young kid, but I think he's ready. He's extremely talented. But my initial reaction is I just feel bad for John Michael Terry. Yeah, he had uh, waited his turn. He had worked hard. He had factored in sometimes early in the season, had played a bit, had moved inside at times last year, then shifted back outside. And 
uh, done for the year. So we'll see about his long-term prognosis coming up as the season progresses. But you hit it on the head, Toby. They've got some good youth there, yeah. and they've got to develop quickly. All right, uh, let's look back on Saturday, shall we? And we start where else? Number one, the quarterback. Talked about now as a Heisman Trophy candidate and should be Jalen Hurts as effective and as efficient as I think he's been throwing the ball this year. That's as well as he's thrown it. I mean, well, I mean, he went 16 for 17. Right. So, and the only the only incompletion was a drop. So now, I'm not willing to say it was a drop Ooh, because I, I like have, it. Okay, I have more respect for Bob Stoops than apparently oh, everyone no. else has. Oh, so no. all you and Teddy and everybody else can go call that a drop. I think it was uh, Drake gave it all he could and he just got hit hard. But 16 for 17. Man, the touchdown pass to Lee Morris might have been the best pass he's thrown all season. Dropped it in a bucket. He was great, especially coming after the Texas game when he was a little bit shaky, you know, turned it over a couple of times. To follow it up with a performance like that, I think, put all the faith back where it belongs that uh, this guy's having a special season, and if Oklahoma's going to go special places, he's the one to lead them there. How about that pocket, too, that he had all day yep. long? It's not necessarily in our tidbits to hit today, but... Uh, with Eric Swinson and Adrian Ely healthy, Marquise Hayes getting more comfortable in that interior, Tyrese Robinson a better at guard than he was at tackle, and then the captain, Creed Humphrey, uh, and even a job there by Kennedy Brooks picking up a blitzer. I thought his pocket, he got sacked once, but a pretty clean pocket all day long. The offensive line continues to play well. The touchdown pass, I don't know if we'll get there on this, but the touchdown pass to Lee Morris. Oh, there God. is um, Marquise Hayes, who's playing left guard, it finds himself with no one to block. And he turns and peels back and sees a guy coming from Jalen's backside and is able to sprint and protect Hurt so that he can make the pass. It's just a beautiful play. So, you know, it's the second straight week they've had the same old line, the starters all back together. I think that's going to help from a chemistry perspective. The more that those guys can continue to gel down the stretch, the better they're going to play. They're putting up great stats. You know, they're protecting Hurts. The running numbers are great. Um, and if they can continue to stay healthy, then I think you're going to see uh, that O-line by the end of the year be a monster. That might have been a Heisman moment right there. Whenever we're watching the Heisman ceremony, that run where he escaped a few people in the, in the backfield and then cut back, that might be one of those that we watch come, say, late <laughs> December, early December. I liked Heisman what Teddy said in, uh, on the broadcast. I think it was Reuben Jones that was chasing him. And he said, it's, all, it's not all bad for Ruben because uh, when we're watching the Heisman ceremony <laughs> later this year, Ruben's going to be on the highlights. <laughs> Jalen Hurts, man, so smooth. This and is the play right here. Oh, watch Marquise watch this peel out and get the guy. Jalen didn't know he was behind him. He peeled out and protected him, and he's able to find Lee Morris down the field. Can Great we get match. this clear to why? Oh, I think we'll see Marquise here. Marquise here. No, that was enough. Uh, can we get one thing clear, too? It is TD Lee. I don't know where the people are messing this up. TD. What are you Lee hearing? Morris. Like Lee Morris TD, Lee TD, <laughs> touch, something, touchdown Lee. It's TD Lee in rhymes. Let's go with it. You know what I was talking about this morning? He's the one guy on the team for whatever reason, every time I say his name, I say his first and last name. We well, never just call him Morris. If he said Morris. It's always Lee Morris. He'll be like, Morris, is there a new guy on the team? Right. Jamal Morris? Right. Like you could say Hertz, Lamb, mm -hmm. Rambo, Calcaterra. But for some reason, it's always Lee Morris. I think it fits. By the way, I want to correct one. Irrelevant, but interesting nonetheless. Hey, I want to correct one mistake that I made already. I know usually TV shows wait till the end to correct their mistakes, or I don't know, what, day later in newspapers or TV What'd shows. What'd you do? 
Uh, John Michael Terry's a redshirt junior. I oh. said for his senior season earlier. So he can rehab, come back. Obviously, he's used a redshirt. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe he get a medical hardship. But regardless, John Michael Terry, redshirt junior, as we learned today, out for the season. Third quarter dominance. I say, Toby, top to bottom, it was the best quarter we've seen this team play. If we're putting together a, a poll of the best 15 minutes this team has played, it'd probably be the third quarter. Kansas... What, you can pick a quarter from that UCLA game, but that third quarter on Saturday was something special. They put it away. You know, it was 28-14 going to halftime, and not that there was great fear that Oklahoma was going to lose the game, but West Virginia had scored the last points. And so to come out of the locker room like they did, roaring and really put it away in that third quarter was impressive. What they've done in the first I – I was looking in the notes here. First and third quarters this year – have been remarkable. Did I just try to peek while you the were on the first Sorry. quarter? They've outscored their opponents now 83 to 7 in the first quarter. In the third quarter, they've scored 115 points coming out of the locker oh room. Oh my gosh. 115 to 48. So, you know, that tells you two things. One, they're jumping all over teams early. Right. You know, the only time that they fell behind to start a game this year was the Kansas games. Kansas, the only team to score points on them in the first quarter this year. And the other thing it tells you is that they are coming out of the locker room roaring to play again. We've had teams, football, basketball, whatever, where that's been an issue in recent years. Why can't you play better? And, you know, you go into the locker room, you, you, you take some Gatorade, you relax a little bit, and you can't gear it back up again. This Oklahoma team has been outstanding in the first and third quarters this year. By the way, we'd like to welcome those of you listening on the Facebook feed. Our final segment is all for you, so drop any question you have. Meg and Tilly, they filter through them, and we'll get as many answered as we can. That's why we do this, is to answer your questions and go in-depth with what you want to know about Sooner football. So hit us up, any question you have. We'll try to get it answered at the end of the podcast. I was just looking at that third quarter, too. Hertz had the 22-yard run on a six-play, 75-yard drive. That dime to Lee Morris, you had the best probably throw of the season in the then, oh, yeah, the block punt, which was pretty special as well. Which gets us to our next point. I guess we're all about threes today. We talked about the third quarter. How about dominating in all three phases of the game? We talked about the offensive efficiency. We'll go more in-depth on defense in a bit. But to see the block punt on special teams is something that now back-to-back -back seasons, they've been big-time game changers for them. I think that's the kind of thing, you know, in the course of that game, probably didn't you know, factor into the outcome. Right. Oklahoma was going to win that game. But when guys on special teams start to believe they're going to make big plays, that's what happened for so many years at Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what Frank, Frank Beamer was so well-known. Virginia Tech just blocked kicks. They made big plays in special teams. And there will be a game down the stretch here where that's going to decide a game, you know, potentially. You return a kick for a touchdown or a punt for a touchdown or you block a field goal or a punt and that's the difference in a one score game so that unit not just the punt block unit but the special teams units start to believe we make big plays then that kind of permeates and sooner or later you know they make them again when you you absolutely need it the most I love how fired up Lincoln Riley was about this you know special teams are something that from the moment that he took over that they really wanted you know to continue to improve you Bring in Shane Beamer. Yeah. He becomes, in a roundabout way, a special teams co-coordinator with what Jay Bulware is doing as well, too. So they've done a fantastic job when it comes to blocking punts, when it comes to taking care of business and covering kicks, something they've done a little bit more with Legatron gone, even though Austin Seibert was there on Saturday. 
Uh, C.D. Lamb's a game changer, returning punts right now. You know, in all three phases on Saturday, they, they really got it done. Burkett is six for six now on field goal since he took over. I started doing math. I saw, too, that Reeves Munchau, uh, the, that's the punter Reeves Munchau is, uh, for those that weren't aware. He punted the ball four times on Saturday. I wonder when the last time the Suitors punted it four times in a game was. He's doing well. He's, I don't know what his average is uh, now. It was 45, over 45 yards a punt going into Saturday, and he had some boomers on Saturday. So I would guess it's uh, about the same. We don't talk enough about punters, but several times this year he's pinned the opponent mm-hmm. inside the 10 or 5-yard line. Yep, and did a good job of it on Saturday. Now, when we mention all three phases, we haven't talked much at all about the defensive side of the football. And I talked to Kenneth Murray about this post game. We talked to him about it just moments ago over at the press conference. Here's the new normal. You give up 14 in the first half. You adjust. You shut them out the rest of the way. And there's still a part of you that's frustrated that you gave up 14 in the first half. This defense really had a rolling on Saturday. And yeah. they've all embraced this new expectation, this new mindset. I, I agree with you. You know, my how things have changed in a year. <laughs> right. Um, this team gave up 702 yards and 56 points to West Virginia one year ago. Uh, Saturday, they give up, what is it, 242 yards and 14 mm-hmm. points. And we're frustrated that they didn't play better. But that just speaks to their expectations right now on the defensive side of the ball, which is just so fun to watch. I mean, they didn't get any sacks on Saturday, but they had nine tackles for loss. There were a couple of plays that got away from them. Uh, T.J. Simmons made a couple of plays against them, but for the most part, they stymied the run game. They scored, uh, OU scored 52 points, only gave up 51 yards rushing all day to West Virginia. They limited how many plays Austin Kendall played against them. I, I love the series where West Virginia took three consecutive deep shots and Trey Brown knocked down two and Parnell Motley knocked down one and it was three and out off the field in about 12 seconds. So uh, they're playing with a bunch of confidence coming off that Texas game. And it was great to see him follow it up with another good performance Saturday. I, I kind of felt, and again, you didn't get the turnovers. And to hear Alex Grinch talk afterwards, that's one of the foundational pieces of this defense is to force turnovers. That's what they want to do. But yet in that same vein, with the tackles for losses, with a, a team that took, I thought, as many deep shots as yeah, anyone's taken I agree. on Oklahoma so far this season. I mean, again, I understand you want to force the turnovers and what is it, an average of two a game is, is kind of their goal right now, maybe three. But you, you can't help, even, even if it's going to be the lifeblood of this defense, to see the way that they're getting it done and how conservative West Virginia would go. Those opportunities for turnovers were kind of slim and few on Saturday. I think that they're not going to settle for that answer. That's very they're true. Not I, gonna, I asked Lincoln in the pregame, is this unlucky <laughs> or is there something you need to do better? And he goes, we're not, we cannot call it having to do anything with luck. We've got to create takeaways. So they are not satisfied with the number. In fact, they're ticked off right. about the lack of takeaways that they have right now. But that being said, it kind of makes it even more impressive what they've been able to do defensively, considering they haven't had very many, what, a six takeaways yeah. through seven games? Uh, to be holding opponents to under 20 points a game and to only have six takeaways on the year is a little bit hard to do. So if they can figure it out in the takeaway column the second half of the year, I think we could see those numbers go down. But that being said, the opponents are about to get better, so we'll see. Yeah, you know, that's another thing is some people, oh, you haven't played great opponents. Well, let's look at it this way. West Virginia did go beat a team 
like North Carolina State, who was not bad, you know, four and three team, I think, right now. Kansas beat Boston College, who has bounced back. Well, these are some teams that have beaten good teams. And I hear people, oh, well, the average ranking or rating of these teams. Houston was a much different team when we played them. Derek King was right. still in their backfield. They were dynamic. So I think it's kind of hard to look at it today and see where teams are now based on when we played them. So it, I, and again, I'm That's not... That's true, but I think... The I'm three, not making excuses. And maybe we're going to talk Big 12 here. Go I ahead. think the other three best... It appears there's some separation now at the top of the conference. Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa State, and Baylor. Those appear to be the four teams that are in the hunt for Arlington. And uh, they played one of them. They still got two to go in Iowa State and Baylor. And an Oklahoma State team that, while they're sputtering a bit, we know they've got a lot of offensive skill. So dealing with Tylen Wallace and Chuba Hubbard and Spencer Sanders, the Oklahoma defense will be a chore. All right, let's talk a little bit now. So a lot on defense, a lot on special teams there. Let's go back to the offense and get into this dynamic backfield that the Sooners have. And in that dynamic backfield is included... Jalen Hurts, who I, I know every week it's oh, how we're running the football, what's going to happen, is, is he running it too much? But as part of that, I guess you could say three- to four-headed monster at running back, he's, he's part of that, you know, with the way that he sure. runs the football as a quarterback. Well, yes, that's correct. I, I, um, it's interesting what's going on right now in the, the Trey Sermon conversation. Uh, we could have that all day if you want. But no, I don't want to. <laughs> uh, but – I think there, there's several intriguing things there. One, I saw a stat on Twitter. I haven't researched it, but it was from Lee Benson from Channel 9 today who said Chuba Hubbard has 59 more carries than Kennedy Brooks, Trey Sermon, and Ramondre Stevenson combined. Oh, wow. Now think about that for a second. So Jalen Hurts is carrying the ball some, a lot, quite a bit actually. Mm -hmm. And Oklahoma's not running hardly any offensive plays compared to the rest of the country. For whatever reason, opposing offenses are trying to keep the ball away from them. They're scoring quickly. Uh, uh, longer drives. OU ran 59 plays Saturday. Now, it was not very long ago around here where OU was living in the 90s for a number of plays they ran a game. If they got to 100, it was not shocking at all. They are averaging around 64 plays a game wow. right now this year, which is way down into the hundreds nationally in the FBS in total number of offensive snaps. It's not affecting their scoring. They're leading the nation in scoring. They're up there in total offense, all that kind of stuff. But they're just not running a lot of plays because they're getting 10 yards a pop on every play, which is decreasing the number of carries for everybody. And, and Lincoln explained that in his press conference today. Uh, if you're running, let's say they're averaging 75 plays a game instead of 64, okay? That's 11 plays a game more for seven games. That's 77 more offensive snaps. That's 77 more carries or passes to distribute. Suddenly, everybody's numbers look a little better and everybody's happier. So it's just fascinating that this high-powered offense is running such few plays a game. You, wouldn't, you would expect it to correspond with, you know, a high total of of plays, high total of snaps. I do like what Lincoln said, though, not just today, but in his post game. Because in a roundabout way, I think everyone's wanting to know what's wrong with Trey Sermon. We probably ruined all of our questions we had on Facebook. Is that right, Meg? What's going on with Trey Sermon right now? I don't. Gabe Eichard said it well on the post game, or on the, the broadcast on Saturday. Here's what's going on Kennedy Brooks is running it very well. I mean, really well. And if you compare the way that Kennedy Brooks runs it, 
To even Ramondre Stevenson with some of the things they're doing blocking-wise, you see that patience. Teddy talked about this I think on that's the broadcast. It. Yeah. I think that's it. You know, now that they've got the offensive line back together the last couple of games, I think they're able to lean more on their bread-and-butter running game, you know, pull the guard and tackle that they're so famous for. And I think they like the patience of Kennedy Brooks. That play right there. This play right here. He waits behind his blocker. He lets it set up. I think that play, here it is again, pull the guard and tackle. He waits patiently, finds the hole. I think they like him with this total offensive line. Here it is again. Pull the guard and tackle. Kennedy Brooks finds the hole on the outside. It fits his running style a little bit better than maybe uh, Sermon and Stevenson. Uh, and, you know, what a wealth of riches right. they have at that position when a talent like Trey Sermon and Ramondre Stevenson having a hard time getting totes. And again, I understand that we want to see everyone involved, or maybe in, in some instances there's always got to be something that even at 7-0, first time they've been there since 2004, you think, oh, what about this guy? And with the transfer portal and with the four-game thing, you always worry about it, especially if it's someone that hasn't redshirted yet. But I think that's the farthest thing. Lincoln said it. They're going to need them all mm -hmm. at some point this year. They're going to need T.J. Pledger. They're going to need uh, Kennedy. They're going to need Ramondre. They're going to need Trey Sermon. History has shown us that it's hard to keep one or two backs all season long. I'm just, I'm just guessing. I haven't talked to Lincoln about this. Oh, but go ahead. When, when the offensive line is, is injured, okay, when the offensive line has is, is got guys playing out of position and they got backups on there, there is more trash to run through. In the backfield. You know what I mean? I like, like that. Guys are breaking through. There's, you're, you're breaking more tackles. That's Trey Sermon style running. Absolutely. Trey Sermon steps through trash, breaks blocks, things like that. When they're all together like they are right now, and they're flowing and they're pulling guards and tackles, and this offensive line is working the way that it – I think they like – I mean, I'm just repeating what I said. I think they like the patience of Kennedy Brooks, so that's where they're leaning yep. on him right now. And I also like Toby Rowland's theory from last week where maybe Lincoln Riley's gone next level thinking, resting a running back. You know, give a couple games here or there. Kennedy Brooks wasn't used a lot early in the season. Keep those legs healthy and it fresh. It doesn't hurt. No. Yeah. Not I don't know if it's true or not, but it doesn't hurt. A couple quick ones here because uh, uh, we want to get to your questions before we wrap up. Kansas State coming up this weekend. Sooners have had incredible success in Manhattan. New head coach and Chris Kleiman. Skylar Thompson back at quarterback. I know we're getting ready to dig into the Wildcats all week long. But nice win for T over TCU this weekend to get them back on track. Solid team. Impressive what they did at Mississippi State earlier this year. Not dynamic on offense, but solid. They can mm -hmm. run the ball. They average almost 200 yards a game rushing. That includes Skylar Thompson, who is mobile, athletic, can be a part of the rushing attack. But what they really want to do is possess the ball and keep it away from you. They want to grind it out. And they're, they're good defensively now. I mean, they will make you work on the, that side of the ball. Their third down defensive numbers are better than OU's. They're number two in the nation on third downs defensively. They have not allowed a fourth down conversion yet on the year. So they have been difficult to move the ball against. It'll be interesting to see if Oklahoma can change that. Looks right now like the weather's trying to cooperate with us. Looks nice so far. We're a ways away, but this could be a third straight beautiful weather day. I, you know, there's probably two. We've had a few trips up there yeah, where you've had to wear a parka. Uh-huh. Yeah, we had to wear a parka last time we went. When The first time whenever Dusty and Teddy were on the broadcast with us, I was dramatically underdressed. 13? Yeah, but I was going to play really cool. Be like, ah, cold doesn't bother me. <laughs> it was cold. But good news, that might not be an issue. And the Sooners have played very well. Last time we went up there, uh, you, you're right, they've won up there. Yeah. Last time we went up yeah. there two years ago, 
we thought, you know, Oklahoma might roll. And at halftime, they were in major trouble, major trouble. Took a furious second half rally to win that game. So, you know, the atmosphere, it doesn't matter how good Kansas State is. Those fans are going to show up. They're great fans up there. They're going to be chanting and swaying and yelling on first downs. And it'll be a fun environment. All right, our final topic we want to get to before we throw a few questions in here is diving into the playoff picture. I think in this as well, maybe we can talk a little bit of Big 12. I don't know if we're going to do that separately or not, but uh, it takes another hit this weekend with Wisconsin getting beat by Illinois. If you haven't had a chance to hear the color analyst for Illinois <laughs> on the radio broadcast, it is fantastic. Yeah. But it's Illinois, man. I grew up around Illinois fans. It's been a while since they've been relevant. So that was a big win for Lovey Smith's guy. So gone is Wisconsin. Even, I mean, even if Wisconsin wins this weekend, maybe? Question mark? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I'm probably out of it. But if they, okay. ran, if they ran the table, got a win at Ohio State, won the Big Ten, you know, you might be able to put them back in there. But probably gone, yeah. I can't eliminate Oregon from my playoff no, picture. You shouldn't. Am I wrong? No. A one-loss Oregon Pac-12 champion, only loss was the first game of the year on a neutral site to Auburn in a game when they should have won. Underthrown ball by They've Bo got Man. a case. they got a case. I mean, it just depends on how many teams have zero in the loss column at the end of the year, you know? I mean, it, right now there's a lot, but there won't be at the end of the year. It's, so. al it's always funny because we do this. We haven't even had the first four-team playoff poll. Next Tuesday, I believe. That's, that's next Tuesday. And every year about this time, we do the same thing. It's like wash, rinse, repeat. It's like, oh, my gosh. What's going to happen when there's five undefeated teams? Yeah. How are we going to figure this all out? And every year, it eventually works itself out. And, I, I mean, again, I'm not trying to tell you that there's going to be a lot of two-loss or one-loss teams, but more likely than not, you're trying to decide between two or three teams and whose resume is better with one loss mm -hmm. is usually yeah. how it ends up deciding that third and fourth playoff spot. Yeah. So that's why I don't think you can count out Oregon if they continue to run the table. I agree. You know, the mo there will probably be a year when there's five undefeateds and we throw our hands up and, and it's chaos. <laughs> but so far, more likely than not, there's going to be two or three undefeateds and it's going to come down to a beauty contest between one-loss teams. And if Oregon is one of those, they'll be in the hunt. They'll be in the conversation. Sure. I will say uh, we're going to probably be losing our minds Come next week, even if I've already told you LSU is getting beat by Auburn, you know that. But wow. uh, uh, yeah, I just feel it. I just it's feel in Baton Rouge. It. it is in Baton Rouge, but that's where the wildness happens in that series for some reason. But I think we're going to be inundated with the two teams from the SEC in the playoff conversation. Just what, prepare yourself. What's new? <laughs> I like it. All right. Let's do some questions here, shall we, as we're heading down the home stretch of the Sooner Sports Podcast Live Edition. This is from Dennis Oliphant, who asks a very good question. Is Baylor the last big test on the schedule for OU? What do you say, Toby Roller? No, no. <laughs> uh, Iowa State is getting their act together. Yeah, they're playing really well. Iowa State is playing really good football, and, and, and they have come into Norman before and won. So they know how to play defense. That's going to be a good test. And... I don't care what's on the line. There's going to be something big on the line when the Sooners go to Stillwater for the uh, final game of the regular season. So that's going to be a big one, too. Yeah, and that's in Waco. But the Sooners have played well in Waco over I think the last it's couple the, of trips. It looks to be the biggest test remaining because of their record right now, but it's not the last big test. Mm. Um, so I would agree with Toby on this one and say it's not the last big test. I'm one of those fans who thinks every game is a test. But uh, with that said, if you're ranking them right now, probably what? Baylor, 
Iowa State 1-1-A, and Oklahoma State's always going to be a challenge because you have to go there and play it. And then Kansas State. And then t- we named every game left on the schedule. Well, there's TCU, TCU still. Yeah. And then Gary Patterson always finds a way to dial up something That's when right. he comes here. That's right. Tol- I- Dennis, it's every game. All right, uh, let me get one, a couple more in here. There's a Big You're 12 championship question. game, too. There's a, why are you, now I'm, I'm going to bite the rest of my <laughs> nails off. Uh, Ross Willingham, would a potential Jalen versus Tua matchup factor into a playoff committee decision? We need one more M in committee. Um, I, no. The answer is no. Uh, theoretically. Theoretically. The, the answer is no. That discussion would and should never come up. But but you who's to say what's in people's heads? Right. You know? Who's to say what's in a committee member's back of their mind or front of their mind when they're putting teams on the board? That is a conversation that that couldn't take place. Hey, this would be a good matchup. Right. Let's put this team in over that team because it would be great TV. You can't say that. But we are all um colored by a pin, a, you know what we've seen. And so everybody knows how fantastic it would be to see Jalen Hurts play Alabama, and every committee member in that room is aware of that. Yeah, and I wonder what TV role would play in that. Hey, guys, what's uh, going on? Hey, ESPN here. Just want to say, I mean, that, would not mind that at all in a, in a, in a semifinal matchup. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the kind of thing that's not supposed to happen. I mean, that... Right, exactly. TV is not supposed to have any say on, on what they decide, and they're not supposed to consider that at all. But again, we're all human beings, so who knows? I, I did want to add one more thing. Can uh, I, and, and it is, Chad, we were talking about this with Chad when he left. Jalen Hurts isn't at Alabama anymore, so we can stop asking him about it, maybe? Or, yeah, I don't know. I, I prob- he, probably, the, the, the problem is, to him, hurt. well, to it got hurt. And the closer and closer that that becomes a possibility, mm-hmm. it's not going yeah. away. I, I think there's going to have to be a realization on Jalen's part as well that when he decided to transfer, that's something he's always going to be asked about. And the storylines are just too great to just ignore. You know? I mean, there's, for the people in the media, it's a great storyline. Now that Tua's got hurt, Jalen might be the – he would be the starter now the next couple of weeks for Alabama because two is hurt. Um, so I get it. He's tired of being asked about Alabama. He, I get it. But at the same time, I mean, come on. It's the storyline. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's still the storyline. Well, you know it's a great storyline? The Sooners are 7-0, and and we're off to Manhattan. Toby and I will be on the air with a 9 a.m. pregame show along with Teddy Lehman, Gabe Eichard, the coach Best sideline guy in the business right here. And He's it will not be freezing it. cold or raining. See you, bud. All, bring it. See you. Have a good weekend. For Meg McDonald and Zach Tilly, he's Toby Rowland. I'm Chris Plank. We'll see you next time. Boomer Sooner, everybody. know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.